I think that's the first kind of acknowledgement within the DE and IB space is that this isn't just a checkboxing exercise. You are literally transforming your organizational culture. You are literally looking at how you do business, how you communicate with your staff, employees, your vendors, your proposition statements, everything under the umbrella of your brand is now need to be seen through the DE and IB lens. And that's a massive undertaking. Yeah. And so I think what you know, you know, clients that I work with and organizations need to understand is that this is a journey. There is a maturity to the DEIB space. And so to not get too overwhelmed from the get-go of having to do a million things and start a million committees and teams and councils, but really step one is really starting to focus on what do we want to achieve? What is the overarching strategy we're really trying to aim here for? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. You know, over the past 18 months, um, you know, this should have been something that uh, had, uh, should have been addressed for a long time before the past 18 months. But over the past 18 months, there has been some sort of compounding uh, situation going on with COVID, but also at least in the United States, uh, social and racial unrest, especially from the motor, uh, starting from the motor of uh, George Floyd last year in 2020. And even though in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space, there are a lot of things that, again, we should have done long time ago. Now they are compounding with a number of other things. And it's just impossible now to neglect those things, to neglect the doing the right thing anymore. And that's why I, I enjoy and I feel this sense of urgency to continue to have conversations, to uh, create more awareness, but inspire HR leaders, inspire business leaders to take action around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And we're going to have a conversation about that today with somebody who has done basically everything in the HR space, but with a passion around DEI and culture and how to, well, you know, bring the best out of people, the best out of organizations by maximizing what their talent can actually do. And as, as I said before, with a specific focus on DEI. So Alicia, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's, uh, I, I enjoy these conversations about DEI and B a lot. Um, because, well, as I mentioned before, you know, we, we are dragging so many problems from the past that they should have been addressed, right? 100%. And we, in the workplace, we either intentionally or, you know, inadvertently, we were sweeping them under the rug until they became just too large for us to yeah. continue to ignore. And now with COVID, a lot of those problems have been amplified. And well, diversity inclusion are still challenges in the, in the workplace. You know, they continue to be, um, uh, you know, the, the full realization of uh, creating a truly diverse and inclusive organization continues to be a challenge for a number of uh, companies. So let me begin by asking you, where do we start this journey of genuinely building a diverse and inclusive organization? What's the starting point of this journey? 
That's just a great question. And it's, it's a question a lot of organizations ask themselves when they want to undertake such a massive transformation within their organization. And I think that's the first kind of acknowledgement within the DE and IB space is that this isn't just a checkboxing exercise. You are literally transforming your organizational culture. You are literally looking at how you do business, how you communicate with your staff, employees, your vendors, your proposition statements, everything under the umbrella of your brand is now need to be seen through the DE and IB lens. And that's a massive undertaking. Yeah. And so I think what, you know, you know, clients that I work with and organizations need to understand is that this is a journey. There is a maturity to the DE and IB space. And so to not get too overwhelmed from the get-go of having to do a million things and start a million committees and teams and councils, but really step one is really starting to focus on what do we want to achieve? What is the overarching strategy we're really trying to aim here for? And then from that, really starting to get a grasp of where we're at right now that is hindering us of getting to that ultimate goal and strategy that we've kind of created for this space. So that can look like, you know, a survey, focus groups, diversity and inclusion, um, of course, surveys and, and different identity surveys as well, because you need to understand what is the current pulse within the DEI space within the organization, because senior leadership can really have a massive disconnect between what they think is going on in the business and what's actually going on on the ground floor. And so through the diversity and inclusion surveys, you're going to see the raw data of what is actually taking place, how your employees are actually feeling, and what are really some of the barriers you want to spotlight to ensure that you're really focusing your efforts in a concentrated way just to move the needle towards the strategy. Yeah, no, that, that, that is fantastic. And there are, there are three things that you said that I definitely want to highlight. The number one thing that you mentioned, which I love, by the way, is this is not a checkbox. It's not something, uh, you know, you're not doing an, R, an RFP saying, yes, I am diverse and inclusive. No, this is, yeah. this is the strategy of the business. It has to be the same way, like, like technology is now getting ingrained into the uh, strategy of the business. DEI has to be part of the DNA of the organization. And it can't be just that one checkbox that you say, hey, yes, we're yeah. doing some DEI stuff. Uh, so I love that. The other thing that you mentioned, uh, which I think is very powerful, is that it's this, this is complex. I mean, th there are massive transformations that need to happen around the DEI space. And one thing that I think could take away a big burden from HR uh, shoulder, HR leader's shoulders is that it's a journey. You don't have to do it all mm -hmm. at once. And you, you begin the journey and it starts getting better and bigger and more significant, but you start somewhere. And then the other thing is about data. Uh, and I think these are uh, you know, three very important considerations. So let's, let's bring this, the complexity of GI down to more tangible, simpler pieces, if we can, if mm -hmm. we can call it that way, right? If you, if, if you are analyzing an organization and what would you recommend them to start focusing on at the beginning of their journey of transformation around DEI? What are the, what are the foundational elements that you think they should be keeping their eyes on? 
Yeah, absolutely. Number one is recruitment. I think when we think of diversity, our minds immediately go to the recruitment lens and it should because diversity is a you know, representation of your employee base. So looking to see what is the makeup of your employees. And even if you know that in itself can get you into you know, a massive rabbit hole, think of it from a very simplistic perspective, as you said, you know, what is our, what is our gender makeup? What is our racial makeup? Um, we can look even at age to see kind of what that spectrum mm -hmm. looks like. And even from those three kind of KPIs, we can really extract a lot of information and insights. So for example, given the makeup of, of our racial um, employee base, what are the races that are being underrepresented? And if they're underrepresented, what are the roadblocks we're seeing in our recruitment process that could be prohibiting us from getting more diverse talent? What support do we currently have for any of our diverse talent within the space? Programs, policies, initiatives to ensure that they're being seen, heard, and having amazing career progression like anybody else would in the organization. And so one simple KPI can lead to uh, a massive amount of insight, data, programs, initiatives that you really want to, you know, again, not rush, but take your time and really seek to understand because there are so many multifaceted layers to diversity as well as your own organizational culture that you wanna make sure are being considered at the same time. Another element as well in regards to, okay, what, what do we look at next? Is you wanna look at your hiring and recruitment policies. So what are we, how do we assess our talent? If someone is coming in um, you know, at an intermediate level, are they going through you know, five, seven interview rounds? Are we, you know, are we looking at it? how inclusive our job descriptions are? Are we making sure our hiring panel has anti-bias training so they understand how bias plays a role in the interview process? Do we make sure that there's candidate assessment scorecards so that we're assessing everybody in the same light and the same criteria and not going off of our unconscious bias on how we connect and communicate and assess our talent? So even from that perspective, I just listed off five things that even though seem small and may seem like they're not making a difference, when you put all those pieces together, Together, you're significantly changing the route of your organization. And that's what's really key in this space. It's the small, consistent steps that you're taking that really start to see the big change over time. And so you can have a couple of quick wins under your belt, but you want to keep the long-term goal always at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, one thing that, uh, that always scares uh, HR uh, and organizations in general is what are the right KPIs to keep in mind to make yeah. sure that you're building this truly diverse and inclusive organization. And you mentioned, you know, some down the road of uh, recruitment and, you know, talent pipeline. And there are many others that organizations can be focusing on for those kind of quick wins that can mm -hmm. continue to strengthen the case from mm -hmm. HR to the rest of the business of, look what's happening because we're yes. doing the right thing. It's not just fluffy stuff, it's that by doing exactly. the right thing and measuring uh, the right KPIs, look at the impact that we are producing in the business and, and, and yes. creating in the organization. So I, I love that. Um, let me ask you, when, when you look at HR professionals across the board, you know, what, what skills, what competencies, what capabilities at the department level do you think we should be learning more of? to be better at building truly diverse and inclusive organizations. By the way, I don't know if, you, if you've noticed, I continue to say truly diverse and inclusive organizations. Yes. And I like to use the word truly 
uh, because it's not the checkbox, like you said at the beginning. It's not enough yeah. saying, oh, well, we are diverse because, you know, look at all the talent that we're looking at to work in our company mm-hmm. for them to live six months down the road because you are not truly diverse and inclusive. So I like mm-hmm. to use that word, um, you know, be very emphatic, emphatic about it. So anyway, going back to the question, what do you think are the skills, competences, capabilities that we may be missing or we need more of to build a truly diverse and inclusive organization? Great question. And I think the first step is really bringing the leaders along for the journey. Um, We do focus a lot of the intentions on employees, making sure they feel supported, making sure we're bringing more diverse, you know, talent into the organization. But leaders are so key in this equation. And I find oftentimes they get off the the hook a little bit when it comes to how they carry the message and how they themselves need to be champions within the DEIB strategy. And so if we're building truly inclusive space we need to talk about inclusive leadership practices. And this is so key because as a leader of any organization, the new and not changing format of leadership is going to be inclusive. If you are not an inclusive leader, you will find it extremely difficult to see the results you want to see from the business, to be able to motivate and, and encourage your team for higher heights, to create psychological safety, within your communications and dynamics. So inclusive leadership is the of the utmost importance. And that is so key because, you know, leaders have been doing the same type of leadership styles and methods for generations. And it's like, oh, it's worked for me or, you know, it's worked for so-and-so in the past. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And it's like, we need to continue to move and evolve and grow with the times. And leaders especially need to be able to understand how the years of the old boys club and different societies that have purposely eliminated diversity are still rudimented in their way of thinking. So if they don't start to fundamentally change how they see the world themselves, that inclusive leadership part is not going to be something of key importance to them. So leaders, especially that are setting the strategy, leading divisions and key business units within your organization truly need to understand the depth of inclusive leadership to know that again, this is not just something that is a one and done. This is something that is the new leadership style within the organization and that they will be held accountable to in some shape or form as you continue to shape and execute the DE and IB strategy. And so leadership needs to take the complete ownership, needs to needs to feel that they are also accountable to what is going on in the organization because they are the leaders that are forging the path for the greatness of the business. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that you are bringing that up and talking about HR building the championship in the organization mm-hmm. for to build a truly diverse and inclusive organization. And my fear around a lot of things that HR does is that HR does it by by itself, mm-hmm. and then it becomes an HR thing and not a, not an organizational thing that everybody is you know, embracing and living and breathing those values. Like yeah. we can talk about a lot of examples of this, uh, but th- this one, uh, you know, idea around DEI and B has to be truly embraced by the leaders of the organization because it's not a nature thing. Even when mm-hmm. HR architects some of these practices, it is an yeah. organizational, uh, you know, priority or should be an organizational priority. So Alicia, we're getting closer to uh, the end of the um of the podcast, and I want to ask you one last, you know, uh, brief question here. Uh, w- when some organizations talk about 
race, uh, uh, inequality, you know, um, uh, a number of these sensitive and complicated conversations. There's always this thing of attaching you to the conversation as in you being blamed for it. So if I was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a white person, for example, you, you know, some people may say like, you're talking about, you know, um, racism and I feel attacked by that. And it's not yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, there's a concept here that we have to talk about. So what, if you have one recommendation to HR leaders to decouple the individual feeling blamed for a conversation that is systemic, mm -hmm. what, would that, what would that recommendation be to decouple these two things, individual from the systemic reality that we are trying to deal with? Yeah, oh, that is an incredible question. The one thing that leaders or anyone in that type of situation needs to really understand is that this is bigger than you. Yeah. So that's the key thing in understanding that this is not a personal element, that these feelings, these thoughts, the fears, the trauma that has been imparted, and not even just with this individual, but in that individual's generation or their family heritage stems many, many years and generations. And so we need to understand that when situations or heated topics like diversity inclusion come up, all those feelings and, and things that have been suppressed will bubble to the surface. And so don't take it as a personal attack. Don't take it that, you know, okay, well, this has nothing that like I'm not doing. I'm not the one who's doing these things. Understand that there are institutional elements that this individual may have experienced, their family members, friends, multiple members of their family. And so to understand that this scope and this topic is so encompassing that to take the empathy and the understanding of that into the meeting to resolve it is going to be so key. Yeah. And then second to that is understanding and doing some of your education yourself. What are some of the traumatic experiences that underrepresented groups have experienced? What does that look like from an education work political, financial um, perspective look like. And, and there's incredible resources out there that can yeah. even educate you and highlight those elements for you. But that will help to brighten and give you that insight to say, wow, this is what you know members of this community have been facing for generations. This is the type of understanding and empathy I need to come forward with yeah. in the conversation. And so again, it's, it's so multifaceted and can be yeah. quite overwhelming. But taking the time to say, oh, no, I'm going to be the leader that listens. Yeah. I'm going to be the person that really takes the time. We'll go so go, we'll go immensely far. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that, and that's the hope, right? That we can see these things as an opportunity to create better, uh, a better yes. workplace and better world, rather than an opportunity for us to be blamed for something that, at, at an individual level, you know, uh, it, it's 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 not the reality, right? This is systemic, comprehensive, yes. and it's way larger, way bigger than than uh, we are individually. So, Alicia, thank you so much for spending this time with me in the podcast and sharing your insights. Thank you. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you, and thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.